am all jacked up on a lot of coffee. Okay. <laughs> Start the show, bitch. <laughs> all right. Hey, Warners. Welcome to another episode of The Women Your Mother Warns You About. Brought to you by Sales Gravy. I'm Gina Tremarco, Master Sales Trainer and Director of Coaching at Sales Gravy. And I am Susanna Gray-Jones, uh, owner of Chime Search and recruitment strategist. Uh, I like saying that word, strategist. Strategist. Strate- aren't you happy I did not make a Chim, ch- chim Chime song? I'm so sound. happy. I'm so happy. Let's not, let's not make our listeners fall asleep with the same uh, Chime <laughs> sound. <laughs> or wake okay. up. Uh, uh-huh. But um, so anyway. You, you've got some ideas, you said. Well, I was just reading something and I wanted mm-hmm. to know what you thought about it because... Um, the biggest problem I ever had when I was working um, with the team, sales team, was I was so focused on bringing on the clients. I was really bad at retaining the clients. I'm really bad at being harsh on myself. My retention could have been better. Okay. So um, I just happened to be reading Forbes or something the other day and it said, business is all about social. It's a social act. It's completely a social act. And I was mm-hmm. like, I like that. You know, when somebody mm-hmm. just strikes a chord. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I was just thinking to myself, how would I do it again if I was managing a team and I wanted to improve the retention and to help people build relationship with their clients? And it got me thinking, how do I like to be treated by my clients? And I wrote such a long list. It's so mm. easy to think of the things that people do wrong and the ways they don't build relationship with us. Um, and it came down to the main thing that we don't do enough as salespeople when we've got business is pick up the phone and call our clients. Mm. Pick up the phone and call your routinely, mm-hmm. not just when there's a problem, just mm-hmm. routinely, mm-hmm. um, to catch up, have a catch up. And I don't do it enough for my clients. I don't, I could do it more. Yeah. I'm, I'm complacent. I think they love me, but actually I'm, I could be wrong. And Jeb wrote um, the book, didn't he? People, people love you. Mm-hmm. Um, and he writes a lot about the the salesperson that just keeps in touch and maintains that relationship. You can never think you're safe with a client because someone's always trying to get them. 100%, especially, um, Jeb talks about this also in selling the price increase and selling in a crisis. Mm, yes. Relationships matter. If you have a good relationship, having a difficult conversation with a client's never going to be difficult. Exactly. But then what would you say about this? Because some people say that you should treat your clients and there's been lots of write-ups about this. Like you would treat your friends or your family. Like you should treat them in, you should you, you should treat them like a personal friend. I agree with that. Do you? Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, that is the relationship I strive for with all my clients. But I also, right, treat my clients the way I know they want to be treated, which is different than, because I just want to be clear on this because we can talk about treating, treating clients um, like friends and family, but there's also a misnomer of like the golden rule of, and this is just an opinion because not everybody agrees with this, right? Mm -hmm. Treat people the way you want to be treated, you know, according to the Bible. But if you take it up a notch and you treat people the way they want to be treated, because we don't all want to be treated the same. We all have different personalities. So I think that is the magic of it, right? How I treat my friends and family is based on how I know they want to be treated mm-hmm. or what I know, what I, the things I need to do to inspire them or motivate them. I like the second part because 
maybe I'm just hearing it wrong, but if you treat people the way that they want to be treated, then your clients could say, well, don't ever call me, don't ever email me. And you might miss an opportunity to have that open door. I don't think you're ever going to have a client that says that. I mean, I think you, maybe it's a small percentage because I think as humans, we are wired for a relationship. We are wired for friendship. We are wired to be included. So yeah. deep down inside, I don't think anybody is like, uh, don't call me. I don't want to be your friend. Um, a cold prospect will behave that way, yeah. which is, which is a, a reaction, a fight or flight reaction. But I don't think anybody wants to not be included because we're all insecure and we all want to be loved. Well, I think like, I'm just thinking about some of the more transactional sales that I, I, I've done in my earlier days of recruitment. And I have existing clients then who were very much kind of like, I struggled to even get them on the phone. I struggled. So I, I tried to do different things. Like I would send them stuff in the post that I thought they might like. Um, I, I tried to find out what they were into at Christmas and send them like a Christmas present. And you would always get the odd one that you could just never get get that kind of soft, fluffy side of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but then maybe that comes back to what you're saying. Maybe that's because they don't want to have, really, they're that sort of person, right? Not everyone's well, warm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So let's let's talk about love languages, right? Um, what's the John Grace that I yes, can't remember? Yes, what are the right? love languages? Let's see if we can remember them together. Right, so, so when you look at the love acts of, and, you know, acts of, kind, um, acts of service, Mm-hmm. Fruits of affirmation, um, physical touch. Now you're not going to physically touch your <laughs> your your clients, but like you know that that's probably and and there's the I've got the corporate book on it on using love languages in business, right? Like the physical touch piece. Like I'm a hugger, and some of my are clients you? are huggers, and some of my clients are not huggers, right? So I got to know, you know, if I see them in person, can I hug them, or yeah. are they not a hugger? So so if you look at those different attributes of a personality here's a novel idea you want to you want to hack you want a pro tip i i do but can i ask you a question about the hugging quickly first (laughs) how do you know when someone is a hugger or not like when you first meet them like because i've made the mistake i did the awk my my friends always joke that i have a really awkward hug where i just like pat on the back um (laughs) i you know i'm sometimes just really overt with it and direct i'm like i'll be i like come in for the i'm like i'm a hugger (laughs) are you (laughs) And I can see the body reaction and I'm like, it, the reaction will either be like, and I'll be like, you know what? I, you're not a hugger. It's cool. Um, or they'll, or they'll lean in for it. Right. So we have like this consent and permission conversation. Um, I think if you're overt with it. Yeah. That's really interesting because then in the UK, we're very like, we're formal, we shake hands. And then, you know, some people have a really sweaty handshake and it's like you and some people have a really loose handshake and it's like, what does that tell you about the person? Do they not want to shake hands or, you know, it's, um... it's, it's just, I think it's a combination of, of how you're wired, um, how you were raised. Um, yeah. You know, my father, neither my father or mother were very um, effusive, you know, in anything that they did. So I don't know where I get it from, maybe because I didn't have it. Right. So it's just my style to be that kind of like affectionate person with everybody. Yeah. But then I have to know where to draw the line on it. 
That's all. Get your hands off me. Get, get your hands your off filthy, me. Get your filthy paws off me. If anybody knows where that line is from. So I got a pro tip. Ask people how they want to be treated. Yeah. And what might that look like? Especially, especially from a communication standpoint, right? Like, how do you like to, you know, especially as you're building the relationship, I usually want to know their, their communication preference if I haven't figured it out on my own. Do you like, like I have a new client that I just onboarded. We joke about this. We need to stop it, but we text each other at nine o'clock at night. I know that's when he has a moment to breathe to actually respond to me, right? And he responds to text. He does not respond to email very well. He does not respond to voicemail very well, but he responds to text. So so I think it's important that you understand how people want to communicate and you need to directly ask them that sometimes if you haven't figured yeah. it out. You know, how do you prefer I to build so. this relationship? Do you, you want to, and now I've got a couple other things I can share that I've been doing for relationship building if you want. Go. I'm listening. <laughs> I'm listening. I'm just thinking actually about the whole like texting thing. That's a really important one, isn't it? Because um, there have been so many times, like I've got one client that I text all the time and they love it. They're great. They think I work really hard. I like that. Um, but then there's someone else in that organization. I texted at the weekend and he called me and said, Susanna, just a tip, just a tip. At the weekend, I don't want to hear about this candidate. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I feel like an idiot now. I should have checked. You should never just assume, should you? Yeah. And I think no. the importance of having that conversation. Yes. Have that conversation. You have to have that conversation up front. I had another client yeah. do that to me that I may have texted him. I think it was a weekend text. And he's like, I do not work on the weekends. And I'm like, noted. That won't happen again. That's unusual for an American. Yeah. No, you, it's, you, it's you Americans work all the time. <laughs> I think there are people that, you know, draw the line in and draw the boundaries. So I think it's important to find out what the boundaries are. Even when we get inbound leads for coaching, you know, Jeb, Jeb is big into like inbound leads are hot leads because they mm-hmm. obviously are feeling a need. That's why they filled out a form. Um, but if someone filled out a form at 10 o'clock at night on a Saturday and I see it come in at 10 o'clock at night on a Saturday, I'm not calling them because th- that's just my philosophy on it. A, I have to draw boundaries in my personal life, number one. And number two, I, I think people, you know, when they're doing that research on the weekends, well, it's hot for them. They don't necessarily want you to call them at 10 o'clock at night on a Saturday. So, you know, when I've seen those come in, you know, I'll respond Sunday morning with an email that says, hey, <laughs> I, I saw that you were looking for more information. It's Sunday. Um, I and, and I'm I'm often available like I'm, you know, if my husband's working, which is every other weekend, I'll be like, hey. I've got some time today. If you, if, if this is important and you want to talk about it today, I'm available. Yeah. But I'm going to draw those boundaries for myself and I'm going to give, you know, that, that cold, you know, kind of warm lead, but they don't know me. We don't have a relationship. And then I'm going to kind of feel them out. And I've had people say, yeah, I would love that. Do you, is that cool with you? I would love it if we could meet. Um, again, it's about having the open communication. Yeah, Definitely. I think I think that's really important. Definitely, I think one thing that really came to light recently, with it being Christmas, is Christmas presents. So I said to um, one of my coaches, "I've got this awesome champagne package um, for my biggest client," and he was like, "Susanna, that's so corporate. Like, get them something personal. Like, you know, you've you've known this client for two years really well. You can't just buy them champagne." 
That made me think, oh my gosh. You can send it to me. I'll drink it. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. <laughs> um, but no, genuinely, I mean, I probably should have drank it myself. But no, genuinely, like, what would you recommend for, this is like an Ask Gina, Gina um, mm. episode. But I'm genuinely curious to know, what would you recommend that people do for Christmas presents to clients? Because it's a big thing, isn't it? And it could be a time that you you just open up those doors of warmth and that lovely fluffy feeling that you get when you think I really like working with this person. I like the personal, the personal approach, which takes a little more work to kind of understand um, how people tick. I do that in general with everybody in my life. Like I try to like, like my stepson's sister. Okay. My stepson's half sister, right? We're, we're kind of like a big family. And, um, I think she just turned eight or nine. I can't remember. But I asked Chase, I said, you know, what would Piper like? Like, what kinds of things does Piper like? Now, I don't expect a 15 and a half year old boy to like give me the exact list for her. But I'm like, what kinds of like, like favorite colors and favorite things? And I'm like, I just sort of need a theme to go with. Right. So I'm not just making an assumption that she's, you know, a frilly little girl, or I mean, I know she's into sports, um, but I don't want to yeah. make assumptions. So I'm like, what do you think? And he's like, anything Yoda. And I'm like, anything baby Yoda. And I'm like, perfect. She's a girl after my own heart. So I went baby Yoda crazy. Nice. But, but, but I want to, I want to personalize it. Here's my other philosophy on, on Christmas gifts. Yeah. For clients. Um, I would rather surprise clients throughout the year yeah versus the obligatory christmas rush of doing it that's because then it gets lost in other gifts right i think so it doesn't stand out so one thing that really stood out for me last year was a gift from yourself actually um so you got me all this um english stuff for the queens and that was really thoughtful And now every morning when I have tea, I've got my English teapot Mm. that you gave me and my little tin with tea bags that I keep, which is like an English post box. And I think like my, just thinking about that now, it makes me think when we do give things to clients, you know, let's move away from the the corporate bottle or the stress Mm. ball or the pen um, and think things that they can use every day that are. Yeah. So let's. Yeah, let me ask you about that. So I remember you telling me how much that meant to you and and messaging me about it. But the feelings that came up for you, right, when I gave you those things and I I did that at Outbound because the Queen's funeral was going to be taking place while we were at Outbound. And I knew you were going to be homesick and I know I knew you were going to be missing that because it was an important moment in your life. Um. And so I wanted to do something special for you. So you, you felt that, but what, yeah. what did it bring up for you? Like, what were you thinking and feeling? You might, you might be offended by this. Oh, gosh. So like, <laughs> well, the two things I thought, you want to know the truth, right? Yeah. yeah. First thing I thought, uh, obviously the natural, like, I can't believe someone's done this to me. Like, that's amazing. The first thing I thought was like, oh my gosh, she's clearly spent money on this because this is something that we have in the UK that the Americans don't have, so they, it will be more expensive. So I felt mm-hmm. a bit guilty. Um, but then I thought to myself, and I don't really drink tea. <laughs> and I, I just thought, oh man, I feel bad. But do you know what? 
I have been drinking tea ever since you gave it to me. So now in the morning, like we used to be, we, we, we've never been alcoholics, but we used to have a glass of wine every night. Now we have like a really nice cup of tea every night. And, you know, it's one thing, um, you know, I do work with Alison Walsh. She always talks about having mm-hmm. like lemon tea at 5am in the morning. I haven't got up that time recently. But um, I, we do, me and my husband, we have a nice cup of tea, herbal tea in the morning, and it just makes us feel really alive and ready for the day. And um, so not only the emotions that I got were initial appreciation, oh crap, I don't drink tea, what would I do? Um, she spent all this money. They actually created something new that is mm. related to you. So I think coming up with something like that, maybe that person doesn't do it doesn't do but maybe would find useful like someone sent me a mindfulness book like two years ago and that changed my life yeah so i think what's what's interesting about that is in that scenario i made a general assumption but i knew and i also knew that i was paying way more in the u.s for all those things and i got it and also it wasn't just tea it wasn't just right tea, it was tea and <laughs> cookies and and yeah. um lemon curd and all the things like like it was oh a bunch of, it was a bunch of things and i knew that a i was going to pay more money for it in the u.s at world market but i i thought you know this is just a gesture it's a gesture i want you to know that it was and it was on theme it was on theme for the queen's funeral so it yeah. was kind of a gesture to that more so that i'm like whether or not she drinks tea or whether or not she eats these cookies is not the point yeah. The point yeah. was to honor her country. That was yeah. really the point of it. And, you know, that was it. I just wanted you yeah. to feel a sense of home, whether or yeah. not you did those things. So the I think it's kind of cool that um, there was an, an unexpected payoff that you started drinking tea. So, yay. I can't believe I just told you that. I feel really awkward now. <laughs> no, never, don't, never no. I think that's a cool, I think that that is cool. And, but that's part of getting to know people too. Yeah, yeah, those definitely. Are the, those are the things you have to learn. You, so, you know, you're talking about the, I, this is funny that you bring this up today of talking about the relationship building and where we fail as salespeople. Because uh, I sort of wanted to bring it up because this came up in a coaching session yesterday with, um, these two guys that I coach together, they're part of a team and they're in their twenties and, um, I love working with them. Yeah. And, um, you know, we were talking about their goals that we had set for the end of the year and that they didn't hit those goals. And I take it kind of personally as their coach, but I'm like, let's, let's talk about what are some of the things that prevented you from hitting your goals? Mm-hmm. Like, what do you think happened? And one of the things that came up was not following up on deals. Mm. And specifically, they both had lost large deals because they made assumptions, because they didn't follow up, because they didn't um, create a relationship. And so that's where they, they lost out. And when he finally got around to following up, he found out that they went with somebody else. And he's like, Ooh, I didn't feel Yeah. And that was, you know, he was really kind of bummed out about it. I'm like, well, let's let's take it and learn from it. Um, I talk about this all the time. Follow up is not my strong suit um, just because there's so much going on. And I've really been working hard on boundaries with my schedule. 
trying to systemize my schedule, you know, like even podcasting, like I'm trying to like yeah. have specific things to my schedule. Like tomorrow I've blocked the entire day to catch up on all the things I'm behind in, in proposals, in follow-up yeah. on proposals. Like because I, I booked the day so solid with meetings, trainings, coachings, appointments. Yeah. My follow-up stuff that you forget. You forget. Sometimes, it, you know, we always talk about people not making time for the impactful stuff, but sometimes they forget the important stuff. Um, yeah. All the trivial stuff that they need, you know. Because you're, 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 you're trying to do too many things. And I'm so calendared out that my big, the thing I'm working on for my goal for 2023 is, is building more time into my calendar for that, those things. And that means potentially, potentially less in my pipeline because yeah. somewhere that time has to show up for me to get those things done. So I don't lose deals or ruin relationships because I didn't follow through in a, yeah. in a, in a, a proper time. So one of the things I've put into practice in the past month or so now, I would say the past three months, I think I've mentioned this before. I do, especially with my training clients, but I do it with my coaching clients too. I've been scheduling these 30, 60, 90 day reviews. So yeah. as you know, at Sales Gravy, we do a training delivery. Um, that project comes to an end. They go on their way. Before they go on their way, I schedule a meeting in 30 days. Yeah. Right. So at their last training, it's like, let's go ahead and get um, a results call on the schedule. And I call it a results call. And so in 30 days, we do a results call. All right, what's transpired in 30 days? What have you seen happen? It's an opportunity for me to identify um, maybe where we did not serve them well, maybe something we missed, maybe something we yeah. didn't give them, or maybe a place where they're struggling as leaders to make sure that the training is sticking. And then I do that at the 60-day mark and I do that at the 90-day mark. And what I'm seeing as a result of this is that the relationship is continuing to grow because I didn't walk away and call them a year later to do training again. I continue to talk to them. Now it takes up time. I'm not getting paid for that 30, 60, 90 day review that I spend an hour with them. But I changed my mindset on it. I'm like, this is an opportunity. This is a prospecting opportunity. I'm yeah. prospecting. I'm building the relationship. Yeah. And what and I'm discovering are more needs. So that's actually created more deals for me. Yeah. And what I like about what you said there, it, you weren't come. Yes, you're prospecting, but you were educating, not selling. And right, that's right. one thing that I, I wrote down when I was trying to think how I feel when I'm being sold to versus, I know we talk about this a lot and people are getting better. I think people in the world are getting better at um, trying to add value. You've got loads of different sales authors who speak about it, whether it be the one up or whether it's the, um, you know, nurturing. Um, showing value opposed to being transactional, but more people are doing it, but not many people are doing it at the right moment. And they're almost trying to educate them when they don't need to be educated. So I think what you said about the 90 days after, that's really good because you're not pushing them straight after they've done their coaching. Let's talk about what you need next. You're letting it sink in. You're taking, taking time. So it's yeah. so like I have so much fun with it. So this came up recently, um, a client that I've been working with and doing a 30, 60, 90 with them. 
and kind of giving them free consulting along the way. So on their last couple calls back, I said, all right, well, let's, you know, let's get back together in January and see where this situation pans out for you. Is there anything else I can do for you? And he said, yeah. Can you speak at our sales kickoff in January? Boom. (laughs) Right? Wow. Nice. So that's the point. That's, That's where I like to be sitting is in providing so much value that they actually ask me if they can give me more money. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Um, Essentially, you were asking them how you could help them before asking how can they help you, if that makes sense. So you were were offering before asking. Yeah, and I've been doing that. I've done that with a few right now where... um, it's helped me put more deals in the pipeline because I'm just providing value that actually gets them. It's priming them basically. Yeah. It's getting them thinking about, Oh, can you help us with that? Yeah. You're putting it into their mind. It might be something that is just not, they haven't given, they haven't given themselves a space to think about that. And you're Mm -hmm. allowing them to have, you're coaching them. And this is what I find. The biggest thing that I find with, recruiters i don't know if you find it the same with salespeople, but when i'm coaching recruiters is they're so full of assumptions about checking in with people so full of assumptions mm-hmm. like i i probably the people i have success with i'm probably on we, we again we talk about this but on my fifth or sixth attempt and the people i'm coaching i'm like have you tried them more than twice oh no 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 i've messed them twice i don't want to i don't want to bug them i don't want to bug I don't them wa- i don't want to be rude they're yeah. busy yeah and it's like we say, do you remember what you ate for breakfast last Tuesday? I know I've said that before, but it's so, we forget, we forget. But I'm getting passionate now. I'm getting really passionate because it really like, for me, it's the reason lots of people leave sales and don't pick up the phone call because they genuinely think that people just don't want to hear um, anymore. They're bugging people and they're so afraid. Whereas I don't, I don't know about you, but I'm not scared if, if I've bugged someone too much. If I have, I'll apologize. I will back off. Um, but until I get that yes, no, maybe I'm staying. I'm, I'm, people appreciate being reached out to. We live in such a selfish world yeah. these days. I remember back, back in the olden days, in my younger days, <laughs> um, you know, I would do the same thing. The olden days. <laughs> the olden days. I'd be like, oh gosh, um, yeah, I, I tried three times. They didn't get back to me. So I guess they're not interested. And you don't know what's going on in their world. You're just not as important to them as okay. all the other things that are going on. And I've got some clients right now that they're clients because I stayed on top of getting them to become clients. Yeah. And, the, and, and it's because I recognized that they were ideal, that they were qualified, that they wanted to do it. On the ones where I'm like, mm, look, I had a guy yesterday who and he listens to this podcast he did tell me that so this is a shout out to you my friend uh if you hear this you know he was struggling he is struggling with some things in his in his organization where he's been passed up for promotion so he's a little frustrated with that and is trying to figure out why and he's at a at a point in his age where he's feeling like he called it midlife crisis. Am I just going through a midlife crisis? What's happening? Like now is the time if I'm going to make the next move, what does that move look like? And he's having kind of that fight or flight reaction. And he reached out to us about coaching. And after getting him to open up and talk, I said, I, I got to be honest with you. 
I don't think this is a program for you right now. And, and here's the reason why it's, I'm like, I think I need to give you some homework. I, my homework for you is to go identify, kind of go soul search on this, why you got passed up for promotion. Cause he said he got passed up in another company as well. So he's concerned there's a pattern with him. And I said, there may be a pattern um, or it might be a story you're telling yourself because you don't know the behind the scenes. Did you get coached? It's kind of like when you lose a sale, do you go back to the prospect and say, Hey, I think I'm, I'm thank you, you know, for the opportunity, but could I get some time with you to find out why we didn't get the deal? Mm. Like, I want to understand um, where the value wasn't shown or where we weren't a, a good fit. This helps me become a better salesperson. Well, the same thing, like, let's just say in the recruiting world, if a candidate doesn't get the job, are they coming back and saying to you, can you share with me why I didn't get it? And they are the best people do. Um, but then the ones that don't, you know, there's, there's a reason they're not going to move forwards because they don't want to expose themselves to that vulnerability. Even so, what you just said was so brilliant, by the way, about people, if they haven't been promoted, I get that every day. I get people calling me saying, I haven't been promoted. I'm upset, blah, 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 blah. And I always say to them, go and speak to your boss and I'm going to coach you through how to do it because I don't have a candidate if I just try and place them on the fact that they haven't had that conversation. Yeah. And I can tell you nine times out of 10, they'll go to their bosses and most of the time they'll be on a path to a promotion pretty soon. And they almost wasted my time and their own by going out to interview elsewhere. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's where I'm like, I don't, I don't want you to, I don't want you to spend all this money with me if this doesn't make sense. Yeah. I, you know, because we, I can, if you want me to career coach you, fine, I'll take your money. But I don't think it makes sense. And, you know, he had come to Outbound and he was a VIP at Outbound and he listens to our podcast. And I felt like I could be that candid with him. And at the end of it, he said, I so appreciate that, that you're not, you know, basically it was like turning him away. I'm like, but go do the research, go do the homework, then come back to me and tell me what you learned. And I'm happy to have another conversation with you because I want to give you that value, whether or not, again, you work with us, right? I wanted him to walk away feeling good vibes, even if we're not going to work together. Yeah. Because that's relationship building. And those are the people who will refer good clients when they come along. And you can still be, you know, we always talk about good clients, bad clients doesn't mean they're bad people. It just means they're not right for you at that moment. And we still give them our VIP service. We still give them, offer them value where we can, whether that be recommend them to someone else, which is another thing I think, which is really important because it builds that trust and credibility, Mm -hmm. which are all part of building, building those relationships. It's a long game. I think everybody has to keep that in mind that relationship building is a long game. Unless, you know, you're like me and you meet your husband online and you marry him pretty quickly. (laughs) But there's a reason for that, right? There's a reason you build relationships quite quickly, um, not just with your husband, but like in, with people. And I think that's because you allow yourself to be vulnerable with people. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing I think that a lot of people really do struggle with. We speak about a lot, allowing people to see your vulnerabilities. I've got one question for you because I know it's going to be time to wrap up soon. And this is a question that I genuinely ponder on myself. And I'm keen to know what the listeners think. So if you're listening to this and you've got an opinion, let us know. Um, because I want to know what you think too. Um, what do you think about saying sorry to oh, clients? 
<laughs> when you've done something wrong. Um, because I, I'm a big apologizer um, to the point that my coach sometimes tells me, Susanna, stop apologizing. You're weakening your position. I agree with that. And it's the word sorry. I think mm. the word sorry is a is a, a weakening word. If I have done something wrong in their eyes or they've brought it to my attention, I'm like, oh, yeah, that was that was not good or that was wrong. I will say I apologize for that. I don't know. Which it's, is the it's, same as saying I'm it's sorry. It's the same, no? but it's kind of <laughs> like it's semantics. Like the word I'm sorry sounds, in my opinion, victim like. Interesting. Because I, I've often used the I, I'm sorry. I am sorry. The only reason I use it is because I can often feel the sense of surprise when I say it from the other person because they're not expecting me to say it because people are these days very defensive um, when in the face of conflict. Again, I, th- I think it's just a semantics thing, the sound of the yeah. word. It's sort of yeah. like, you know, different words like just. Like, I don't like the word just. I think just is a weak word. I'm just calling to see if you're available yeah, for quick chat. I think yeah, that's yeah. a weak word. Um, I'm just circling back or I'm just following up or I'm just checking in. Like, I just feel it's like apologetic in itself. Yeah. And, and when you're saying, I'm sorry, um, oftentimes when people say, I'm sorry, they're saying it in a tone that feels like a victim. I don't know. That's no, yeah. yeah that's my opinion. I, I will use the word apologize um, if I have done something that I'm wrong for. Yeah. The best thing someone taught me once, but I think everyone caught on, you see it in politicians all the time, is I'm sorry if my words upset you. That wasn't my intention. (laughs) My intention was not to upset you, Uh, which used to work really well. That's a whole nother ball of wax. I'm sorry if. I'm sorry if I offended you is a slap in the face to the person that you're apologizing to. Sorry, not sorry. yeah, it's like a yes, but, right? Yeah, I'm sorry yeah. if that offended you. Like the if word too, also a weak word. Um, yeah. You know, why not just say I'm sorry I offended you? Not I'm sorry if I offended you. You're, if they're clearly offended. It's not an if. Like <laughs> I apologize for offending you. It's so I, passive, isn't it? I'm it's, sorry if. It's so if something upset you and your weird self. It's so passive in, in it, and it <laughs> could be said in a way that's condescending too. Yeah, yeah. Words matter, people. Words matter. They do. I, we, in every sense. We gotta go because I um I gotta go take care of some clients. Yeah, and you've got to go take care of some clients, and um, yeah. we will podcast again soon. Sorry, this is a shorter than normal episode. We're squeezing it all in. There's so many nuggets squashed into this uh, beautiful episode. Yeah, there are. Yeah, there are. Yeah. Maybe um, on the next one, I'll let you talk. So, um, no, I spoke. Huh? I spoke. <laughs> we do got to wrap up uh, to our listeners, to our also known as Warners. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Women Your Mother Warns You About, brought to you by Sales Gravy and Jeb Blunt. And if you are looking, there's that if word, forget the if word. (laughs) 2023 should be your year to go to the next level. Check out Sales Gravy University for the tools and techniques to help you get there. So salesgravy.university is the place you should go. And for more information about Suzanne and I, check out womenyourmotherwarnsyoubout.com. We're out of here. Bye, Susanna. Bye, listeners. Afternoon. Have a lovely day. Bye.